0: Good morning again. So glad that you're here to worship with us. My name is Matt Pardee. I'm one of the pastors here and excited to sing together, excited to get into God's Word together. We're in a series right now called Psalms because it's covering the book of Psalms. And in the book of Psalms, they categorize them in all different kinds of ways because there's quite a variety of Psalms. There's 150 of them, but they categorize them into these different groups. And the one that we're going to be in today, Psalm 19, Uh, Some call it a a psalm of the Torah because it talks about God's word so much, but also a psalm of creation. And it doesn't fit necessarily the normal categories that we would talk about of uh, lamentations where there's complaining or there's praise or there's uh, psalms of uh, messianic nature where they're prophetic uh, toward Jesus. All different kinds of psalms to represent all different kinds of songs and prayers and emotions. And one thing that we can take from the book of Psalms that uh, we're very excited about in this coming off of our rhythm series is that we really pray and hope that you're coming before God and just being honest about your emotions, being honest about your life. Being honest and real about anything that's going on in your life, because that's what these songs really represent. And when you read them, you're like, wow, that person's really unhappy, and they're really complaining, and they're angry with God, or this person's really excited about God, or this person's life is in danger, and there's all these amazing different kinds of emotions, and what that says to us is we can be real before God, which is pretty awesome. He can handle our lives. He can handle our emotions. And it's not just okay to be honest with God, but it's encouraged and it's commanded. And so, this Psalm 19, we would title The Awe of God and Our Response, because we're going to break this up into three sections. Psalm 19, and this is what Corey Keating uh, said in his exegesis of Psalm 19. He, he talks about the three categories that I'm going to talk about today. He says, creation, God's word, and the life of prayer speak in harmony to convey the profound message of God's glory to those who have ears to hear. So this psalm is going to be about creation and how amazing creation is, and then it's going to be about how amazing God's word is, and then it's going to be our response and our prayer. And if we really have ears to hear what all of this is saying, there will be a response. There should be some kind of reaction from us. And this is a really bold statement from C.S. Lewis. I love quoting C.S. Lewis, the great author. He says this about Psalm 19. I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter. That's bold. And one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So very excited to dive into this psalm that C.S. Lewis held so near and dear And uh, and again, we're going to break it into three sections and and just ask what God is saying to each of us through these. So let's dive in. Psalm 19, and we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth. And their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden From its heat. If we were to summarize this first section, we might say in point one here that creation says something about God. This, this, these verses saying there's no audible voice. There's not necessarily words being spoken, but it is saying something. There are words to be gathered day after day. There's some kind of speech coming, some kind of message from our creation. Isn't that interesting? And in our busy world and with all the the technology and all the infrastructure that we have, you know for us it's precious to be out in nature and to really have a moment to you know, enjoy creation, right? To look at what God has made and see what it is saying. So what is the creation saying to us? What does the Bible tell us that we can just observe what is around us on this earth and in the heavens that would speak something to us? Well, there's many things that creation says that we can just observe. I'm just going to mention three because I want to move on to some other things. But what is our creation saying? These are three of the things that I really appreciate that I wanted to highlight. Is One, the beauty of our creation, the order of our creation, and then God's provision to us. You know, as I just think of the beauty of our world, it's really breathtaking, isn't it? We live in a farmhouse right up here in Perrysburg that's on the, just the flattest land. I love that about Bowling Green. I don't know if you're a mountain and hills person. That's beautiful too. But I love how flat it is here because I love seeing the sky. I love it if I'm in a place like in Kansas where you can see 180 degrees of the sky. And it's really amazing. And in our house, in our living room, you know, we can look out one window and see the sunrise. And it's so beautiful. And as the, the day goes on, and in the evening, we can look out our kitchen window and see the most beautiful sunsets. It's really something I love and enjoy. And the, the psalmist says, Look how the sun bursts forth every day in circles and brings us heat and brings us warmth and brings us energy and, and sustains our life. What is God saying about that? If you've ever been to a leadership training out in Colorado and you climb those beautiful mountains and you're away from all the city lights and you look up into the sky and you say, wow, I never knew how beautiful the heavens were. I never knew how many stars were up there. How far does this all go in the vastness and the infinity of our universe? The Bible says God's saying something. Do you hear it? Do you perceive what the creation is saying. I also think about the beauty of the order. And you know, I've shared before, I love science. I, I, I got a degree in science. I used to teach biology and physics and chemistry. I love everything about science. And I love when the scientists just talk about how ordered our creation is the statistics, the mere math on just the fact that you are here and that you exist and that there is life, it is improbable. It's amazing the order, the detail, and just the incredible design of this creation. Theologians call that the teleological argument that there is a God. That if you really come with an open heart and an open mind and open eyes and you just look at this creation, you would deduce that there was a designer. And that he had purpose. And I know there's scientists out there that spend their life trying to disprove God, but they never will. Because you're going to find a lot of humble scientists that say, we have no idea why an electron is attracted to a proton. It's amazing. Who can explain that? We understand the laws. We understand gravity. But we don't know why it works. We don't really know how we all got here, and it's awe-inspiring, it's amazing, it's a wonderful mystery that the Bible says points to God's design. And one of the things that we can hear from the order is that this designer had a purpose, and to take it even more uh, individually, he has a purpose for you. There is a reason why you were designed. There is a reason why you were woven together in your mother's womb. As it says in Psalm 139, that he loves you, he knows you, he had a purpose for you, and he had it all thought out while you were being woven together in your mother's womb. You have a purpose in God's story. Thirdly, we just see his provision I mean, he has surely provided for us. When we think of all the resources and we think of the oxygen and the, the oil and the, and the coal and all the things that give us energy and give us warmth of the sun, when we think of just the, 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 the food that's provided for us and the minerals and everything about it in so many different ways, it seems like if there's a God and you wonder, gosh, is there really a God out there? You say, yeah, it seems like he's designed this and he's put us here you would surely deduce that he's provided for us. He wants us to have a life and to be sustained. Romans 1 emphasizes this all the more in the New Testament in verses 19 and 20. It says, Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made, as a result, people are without excuse. You know, we talk about this verse a lot. That you know, when we bring up the metaphorical, um, you know, African person that's never heard the gospel, or this person in this remote place that's never heard of Jesus, or never heard of the gospel, and people like to throw that excuse. This just doesn't seem right if everybody doesn't have a Bible in their hand. And Romans one says this. The creation tells us something about God. If they're really open, if they're really listening, do we have ears to hear? Do we really want to see what's out there? The Bible says through creation, we can understand God's power and his divine nature just by what he has made. So it's a apologetic to us. It's something that speaks to us. It's something that's declaring something to us if we invest in just looking and seeing and hearing. Let's move on to section two. Now it says creation is speaking to us. Now it gets into this thing of why it's called the Torah Psalm about God's word is saying something to us. And just notice how many different synonyms it has in this section about God's word and how we describe God's word. So this is verses seven through ten. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life, The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than the abundance of pure gold, And sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. The psalmist is singing this song. You can kinda almost see a repetition and a cadence that they might be singing because these are these are lyrics to a song. He says, Man, God, we love your instructions. They're perfect. We love your testimony. We love your commands. We love your ordinances because they give us life and they bless us over and over again Is saying, man, we should long for God's word because they're reliable, they lead us into righteous places, and they're going to bless our life. And the psalmist is saying here in point two that just as creation speaks, the Bible also speaks personally to our hearts. You know, I've been amazed over the years as I read God's Word. Each year that goes on in my life, I realize how much the Bible works. How much the Bible is so wise. And it just speaks to all things of life. And as I get older and observe my life and I see people getting older and observe their life, I believe without a shadow of a doubt more than ever before that the times that I've applied the Bible to my life, it has blessed me and the people around me so well and so faithfully. And the times that I have deliberately walked away from God's Word and disobeyed what it said in there, those are the worst times of my life. Those are the valleys of my life. The times that I look back and say, man, I regret that decision. Those are the times that I disregard God's word. And I see God's word all the more of like, wow, he loves us. He wants us to have an abundant life. And all the things that we're going through in our lives and the struggles that you have right now, and you're just figuring out like, how does life work? God wants to say, I have a direction for you. I have answers for you. If you would love my word, if you would let it speak to you, it will make a difference. You know, this, this fact of just God's word is such a powerful thing that we should long for and listen to. It's interesting in John chapter 1, isn't it, that it, it refers to Jesus being the word. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus' life is another teaching to us. And why did Jesus come? What was Jesus all about? He's saying that creation is pointing to a purpose in your life, the Word of God is pointing to this purpose in life, and then Jesus came to solidify that and put the exclamation point on it. It says, you were designed to have an intimate relationship with God. That's your purpose here. Our purpose is to love and worship Him and be in a relationship with Him only provided through the blood and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, saying that he should have first place in everything in our lives. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, God wants to be close with you. He wants to be at peace with you. And any time we don't feel at peace with God, we know that that's on us. He's there reaching out. He's there with open arms. He died on the cross to forgive your sins so that you could respond to him and be in this relationship with him. And, you know, as, as I was just mentioning earlier, as I've gotten older, I'm valuing God's Word more in my life. And when I talk to people maybe outside the church or people that are just having doubts about Christianity, there's often a, a prevalent thing that you've probably heard, well, well, that's just a nice idea. You know, that's a, that's a good suggestion. How, how nice for you that you're a Christian. You know, that's a great opinion. And I, I appreciate that you have that. Some people view the Bible as just a fairy tale. None of it's true. They're just suggestions. And we, inter- we, we involve ourselves in these relationships to show them the truth of what God's word is. And I think when we talk about stories and God's word as a love story, I think that's a wonderful thing. It is a love story, but I wonder if in this day and age it might serve the people around us to know it's as much of a map as it is as a love story. God's word is a love story, or better yet, a map to that love story. You know, you might read a story, you might read something on the internet, and you often wonder, like, is this real? Is this true? Not everything on the internet is true. We know that, right? And you think, well, whose opinion was this? But I wonder if it's better in our context to try to think of this more of what God is saying to us through creation and through his word, Is it's more of a map. Okay? Because we look at a map and what do we do? We trust whoever designed that map that those roads are actually going where they say they're going. Or when the GPS says this is the best way for you to go from here to there, we trust the GPS knowing the roads, the traffic, that this is the fastest way to go in that direction. You know, back when I was learning how to drive, Um, We didn't have GPS. We didn't have cell phones or anything. And I would have this big map called a Rand McNally map. Maybe some of you older people know what those are. We had a big book of papers in our map. And we hoped that when we were in a city, there was a little map for that city, and you would have to try to figure out where you were going. It was quite difficult if there were complex cities. Um, and, And this picture here is from one of these Rand McNally maps. So you would be getting ready to go on a journey. You'd pull out your big Rand McNally map. You'd open up, and you'd start looking at the lines to track out where you were going. And you would have to just check that thing all the time to make sure. And you hope, which happened to me one time in Kentucky, in the hills of Kentucky, when I couldn't tell what was north, south, east, west, you know, these tiny roads. I got onto this tiny road that was not on a map I didn't know where I was, and I just started having fears of deliverance in my mind being in this place. And I was like, I am so lost right now, and this map is not helping me. There's no GPS. I, don't even, I can't even see the sun right now to see where I'm going, and it's terrifying. And when you are in that situation, which I was in Kentucky, you have no choice but to just drive in some direction until you find a road that might be on the map. And I was in a place where I didn't see any people and I couldn't ask anybody any direction. I think we need to come to God's word with this understanding, is that you and I are in this place, right? We're on this journey. You want to get somewhere, whether that's personally, living the abundant life, maybe with your family, your friends, with work. You are navigating this life, Okay, And we're here. And we want to get to this place. And we need to really come before God with this humble heart and say, God, I don't know how to get there. But you know the direction. You know the roads. You're the author of this whole thing. And I need to trust that you understand this and that you're going to lead me in the right direction. So we pause at moments like this and just say, what direction are you going? Where are you going in your life right now? What are you encountering in the daily struggles of your life? And are you really coming to God and you even asking the question, God, where am I going? And am I going in a direction that I need to just yank the wheel right now? I need to turn? Because if you do that, if you're willing to like allow God to turn that wheel, He's right there. He's loving you. He's forgiving you. He's wanting you to be on track with what He wants. We have to be able to acknowledge that we're in a bad place so that we're not going in the right direction and trust that He will lead us to the right place. And that's what this response is, and that's what leads us to the third spot. Creation is saying something to us. God's word is saying something to us and now we're looking in this mirror and he wants us to say something. And here it is in verses 11 through 14, the conclusion of the psalm. In addition, your servant is warned by them. It's a strong word. And in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. Verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Point three here is that this, as a response... We can say something about God with our lives. You probably noticed in there that it says, When we come before a glorious God of all creation, it probably should lead us to a very humble spot. When we really open up God's Word and we have an open heart and we're like listening to what the Word is saying, it's very challenging. If you really read God's Word with an open heart, it says, we're being warned of things. It really scrutinizes not just our words and our actions, but it's scrutinizing our heart. And it says, God, I want this abundant reward of walking with you, and I want to just be aware of these unintentional sins in my life. I want to be aware of these blatant ways that I'm walking away from you in the wrong direction. Would you change me? Would you allow me to be cleansed through Christ and forgiven of these things? Colossians 3:17 kind of reflects us a little bit more. It says in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again we pause before this holy God and we say, God, is whatever I'm doing in word or deed, Is it reflecting you? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart say something about you. Because here's the really cool thing about this psalm, okay, as we wrap this up. Creation is speaking. It's saying something. God's word is speaking and saying something too. And now you and I have an opportunity to speak also. And whether you're aware of this or not, your life every single day is saying something about God. You're either saying something that's glorifying to God with your life and your words to the people that are observing you, the people that you influence, whether you know you're influencing them or not, or you're reinforcing or taking people's attention away from God. Or you're bringing you know, a dishonor to the gospel. That's the reality that we live in. We have influence. People are watching us. What we do and what we say impacts the people around us. And the psalmist is singing, man, as creation gives God glory and the word gives him glory, let my life give you glory also. And God, if there's any chance that I'm reading your word and I realize, wow, I'm doing something. I'm living in a way that's not giving you glory I really need to change. And here's another really amazing thing about it is this last point, is you are the most important part of God's creation. So we can join with all creation and let our hearts worship God. You see, of all the beauty of this creation, you're the best part of creation. God said when he made us that we were the best part We were the most beautiful part. That when he made man and woman, he said, this is very good. You are the best part of creation, and so our voice can be the loudest thing that gives God glory. So as we sing these next few songs, we just ask that God would would change our words, that he would change our hearts, that as this psalmist is singing, we would really reflect his glory and bring attention that's due His name. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this amazing psalm that just brings our eyes back to the beauty of Your creation and the beauty of Your Word. Lord, we are so thankful for Your provision and Your love for us and um, that You even want to speak to us is amazing. It, it's a. It's a a profound thought that is unimaginable and far beyond us, that there's a God of all creation, Lord, You, and that You would even want to communicate anything to us. And Lord, we're so grateful today that we can say God's communicating something so amazing to us. That You love us, that You forgive us, that you think were amazing. And just as you wove us together in our mother's womb, as it says in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, as a part of creation in all of your design and in the intimate things, Lord, of, of all the details that bring about life, Lord, we want to join with creation and praise you. So Lord, help us to respond. Help every one of us to, um, to think deeply about that and say, God, how can I respond with a heart of worship this week? In all the realms that I have influence? Lord, let me bring attention to you. In Jesus' name, amen.